Welcome to the Good Trouble Think Tank podcast, the show where you can get into good and necessary trouble. My name is Renee Clark, your host. Thank you for listening to my show. Today, we will have an important conversation about voting. John Lewis said, your vote is precious, almost sacred. It is the most powerful nonviolent tool we must use to create a more perfect union. Hi, I'm Micah. I'm uh, the president of Amnesty International Howard County, which is a uh, nonprofit uh, working to combat human rights violations uh, around the world in our community and in the nation. And we're made up of high school students who are all very new organizers and we're trying to improve and work on our activism together. Thank you for joining us, Micah. My name is Charles Wiley. I currently serve as council member for the town of North Brentwood, also newly elected to the Democratic Central Committee, representing the 47th district. I started a nonprofit called Pathways to Unity, actually inspired by John Lewis, um, causing good trouble where we have elected officials community organizations and citizens working on affordable housing, mental health, and community policing. So, thank you for having me. My name is Jaina Parker and I'm the Deputy Director of PG Changemakers, a grassroots organization started shortly after the murder of George Floyd, uh, started by doctoral candidate Amity Pope, an incoming county council member for District 7 of Prince George's County, Crystal Orieva, uh, this organization was started in order to address the racial and social justice issues that happen in Prince George's County that oftentimes go unaddressed and unheard. My name is Trevor Connor speaking, and I am the president of Good Trouble Young Future Leaders at Tomorrow. And this is our second podcast and excited for you guys to come. Thank you. The first question I have is for our young leaders, which, um, or anyone can answer this question. When did your parents or your guardians have a conversation about voting? My parents had a conversation about voting during the ballots. So whenever elections started, they may have said like, hey, um, tell me why I should or shouldn't vote for this individual. And tell me the reasons behind that. Tell me the um, pros of what they did in the past. And is this a good reason why I should vote for him? I'm Democrat or Republican, or just overall in that individual position. And I was going down telling them why and why I shouldn't. I think for me, unfortunately, my parents didn't talk about voting. Um, it wasn't until I got much older and I had my family and realized that the impact I could make with voting is really when I started paying attention, but just wasn't one of the conversations that we that we had. Um, I actually have kind of a, a different story. I don't remember when my parents didn't talk about voting uh, in the election cycle or outside of it. Um, both of my parents are from Memphis, uh, one from like the South side and one from more of the North side in the city. And they um, experienced over their lifetime, you know, segregation, integration, racism, uh, they were in Memphis when um, Dr. King was assassinated, and so they were had a front row seat to the um, expression of trauma that 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 had on the community. And so I just I don't remember my parents 
not talking about the historical context of voting for Black people and its importance or, you know, our history or um, just the importance of having these rights and exercising them. I don't remember a time like that. And um, to this day, I still talk to um, my father about who he's voting for and why he's voting for that person. And being as politically active as I am, sometimes I tell him, oh, you're not going to vote for that person. You're going to vote for this person. <laughs> and so that's a funny conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. For me, my parents didn't really emphasize voting until after the 2016 election. Um, I think at that time, the result um, with Trump winning was not at all what any of us had expected. And because of that, uh, I heard in my house, a lot of it was due because people didn't come out and vote, but I still, um, it was never really emphasized uh, how important local elections were until more recently, and especially with this election coming up. Thank you, everyone. I too hadn't had the conversation about voting. I just remember my mom, I just knew she was a Democrat. And so when I did make it to the polls, I just voted Democrat. I didn't know who the individuals were. I didn't know what they stood for. I just knew I had to vote Democrat. So for some of the reasons why you know we vote, right? We wanna change, we wanna create change in our community. It's an opportunity to make our voice heard. It's a responsibility as a citizen in this country. And it's a right and a privilege, a right that we didn't have not too long ago. And we had to fight for the right to vote. Did anyone wanna speak on voting rights? You know, How do you feel our rights are actually being um, challenged at this point? I think there's a big disconnect when you look at the way that um, we treat voting in America versus the way that it's treated in other countries and then subsequently the historical context of voting. So in other countries, like it's a, literally a national holiday and it's to the point in some countries where you have to vote, like there's penalties if you don't, right? While in, in this country, it's not a national holiday. You know, you have some people rushing to the polls right after they get off work and it creates kind of this subconscious um, thought process around the importance of voting that maybe some people don't have because it's not a national priority, even though it is a national priority, if that makes any sense. Like the nation isn't treating it like a national priority, even though they know that it's a national priority, right? And so you have that like overall context and then you have the historical context for people of color, specifically black people in regards to the fight for their rights to vote and to be able to vote and to be able to vote um, holistically. You know, you had right after reconstruction or during reconstruction you had where they were, well, after reconstruction and where they were making sure that you had these poll tests can you read? Can you trace your family back three counties? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you flip backwards, right? And then when that finally got abolished and people were able to vote, it, it just it was just so much that you had to go through to enable to get these these rights and able to get these votes. And then you have the national context of it not seeming like a priority and all those things mix in together. And I think that that has come you know over um, several decades, right? And then when you see like kind of sometimes the results of your votes, right? Sometimes you have people who promise a lot of things and they don't deliver one fourth of them, right? 
And it could be very demoralizing if the people that are promising all these things look like you, right? They live next door to you. Or that the people promising these things um, deliver in a context that isn't what you expected. And so I think that voting rights and, and voting in general is extremely important, but I also think the way that the nation treats it, like the, the subconscious message from the nation is that it isn't as much of a priority as it really is. And I, I have questions around why that is, right? And then I think about the struggle that Black people have had to go to to get voting and to, to vote. And it's almost like those things are putting back, they're being put back in place. And so there isn't, there isn't this thought process around, well, why don't Black people vote like it isn't a priority? Or why don't people of color vote like it isn't a priority? It should be more of a question of what are the barriers to people of color voting? And how is the government in any capacity um, reinforcing, encouraging, or reiterating uh, those barriers? And how can we, uh, through our votes, through the people that we're voting in, uh, tear down those structures that are in place. I think it's really important, um, and I agree everything uh, that Parker said, but we stop at voting. And the follow-up is what's really important because if you're not holding those people you voted for accountable, then what? We got into trouble when, um, and a lot of people don't like when I say this, when President Obama was elected, we had that hope back. And we were like, all right, we're done. And then we didn't go out and vote in the midterms. By not voting in the midterms, a lot of things shifted or our, we weren't able to, to accomplish what we should have accomplished or even have our agenda on the table because we got comfortable. So what are we doing after we vote for these people? And if they're not living up to their jobs, identify another candidate and get them out of office. Like we have so many powerful speakers. We have so many young folks that are coming up that are dynamic and we need to kind of get them ready to be ready to take over if the candidates we vote for aren't doing what they need to do for our communities. Yes, we need so many more people to vote, but it's, it's made hard, especially in states with red legislatures. Um, uh, they're creating legislation that hurts marginalized groups and prevents them from getting out and voting. Um, whether it's uh, turning misdemeanors into felonies or ramping up voter ID requirements, all of those things affect groups that are usually young, poor, queer, black and brown and marginalized. And those groups are all usually non-white and tend to lean Democrat. I think also thinking about like the systemic things to the point that Micah brought up in regards to the things that are being done and put in place to stunt voting, right? You'll have the ID requirement, right? But then they'll shut down the Department of Motor Vehicles in like the majority Black counties. And so, and then like the closest one will be in a county three or four hours away, you know? So just think about it from that perspective. If you have to have an ID to vote, and then all of your, you know, uh, Department of Motor Vehicles within your county are shut down and you have to drive three hours to get an ID. Um, to Micah's point, that affects, you know, largely Black, Brown, people of color, people with disabilities or differently abled, if you will, 
Um, it, it affects all these other classes and generally this is happening in red states. That's not to say that it doesn't happen in blue states either because we know that it does. Um, but it's to say that this predominantly or what you hear about it largely happening is in these states that they don't want to flip blue. And that's um, a, a huge concern. In regards to the accountability, I wholeheartedly echo Charles's sentiments in regards to regardless of the political affiliation, if your elected official is not going to deliver um, and not going to deliver consistently and above, above your expectations, then it's time to find new leaders to put in their place and to put in, the, in their place as soon as possible. It's not just about, you know, electing a certain party if that person that you're electing is, is going to vote for another party. Like if, if I'm voting Democrat and expecting you to uphold the missions and visions of the Democratic Party and you're voting with other party that doesn't uphold the visions that I am saying that I'm aligned to, then I have to vote you out. That's really long and short. And I think accountability when they're in office, it does look very different than you know, everyone's knocking, banging, running down your door when they want your vote. But once they got it and they're in office, you don't get but one little email every Friday. And if you call there, you know, they're super busy. No, at the end of the day, I'm a constituent. And it's really about pulling constituent power and like, like, oh, hey, all of us are from Howard County are going to go with all of us from Prince George's County. And we're going to talk to the people in Charles County and we're going to go hit our legislators all on the same day about this one issue. And we're going to do it like, boom, back after back and back. Oh, you don't want to vote for me or, or you don't want to see me? Then I don't want to vote for you. And I'm going to come into your, um, wherever you're at. I'm going to come to your fundraiser. I'm going to come to your open house. I'm going to come to wherever you at. And I'm going to tell them how you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And to your point about trouble, I've gotten in a lot of trouble with, <laughs> with elected officials just by saying like, yeah, you didn't vote the way I wanted you to vote. And I could have had this conversation with you in private, but you still like, what, what is that going to do? That's not going to change your vote, right? But if I put you on blast right here in front of all these people that's trying to give you $500, you're going to start changing your disposition. And if you're not, then now I can expose you on a greater scale. So I, I just feel like accountability isn't about fighting a party. Accountability is about fighting the visions and goals and and policies that you want to see in forth. And to be honest, to be fair, most of the things that I align with were with the Democratic Party. That's just that's where I'm at. Um, I believe in a woman's right to choose. That's that's her body, her decision. I believe that people should love who they want to love and get married to who they want to get married to. I believe that science is real, like in <laughs> Black Lives Matter. And it seems like the only like party, the only party that is a large party that is reinforcing my visions and my policies and my goals is a Democratic Party. Do I wish that, I always wish that people could be more left uh, or more progressive or whatever may have you, but I think though, when we talk about vote, getting out to vote, it is about, look, just get out to vote, but also understand that when you're getting out to vote, you are not just voting to say, hey, I, I, I checkmarked this box. You're voting like, oh, I've researched my candidate. I know who this person is. Red, green, purple, blue. This person is going to vote the way I want them to vote for my community. Because I guarantee you, them other people do. It sounds like we need a report card because after November the 8th, there needs to be some type of monthly, like a report. They report to us, like report to us what you're doing. 
Okay, give us an, a, a weekly, monthly report or something saying, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm working on, and to show their constituents that, hey, you voted in the right person. I'm I'm in I'm, I'm in alignment with I'm in alignment with, with your vision and your what you believe in, and so I, I don't know if that's actually something that's ever been done, but we need a report card moving forward. Once you get in the office, we need to know what you're doing, and that way, during midterms, if you haven't been doing what you said you were going to do, then we should find someone else to do the job. Do you feel that our young people or just people in general understand how the government works? Well, in talking to everyone, all that they see is the federal government. They don't understand that they're local municipalities. They don't understand that um, as a council person, I'm the one that affects your trash being picked up or the police budgets and, and things of that nature for municipalities. Um, way more control over day-to-day -day life than folks think it's just the federal government. Federal government funnels money to the states who funnel money to the county. <laughs> um, you know, so because it gets glorified on TV and that's all they see, um, like the local politicians, the local elected officials are actually doing the work. It's not the president, it's not the, the governor, really. It's the local leader. So yeah, I don't know how other than to talk about it in mm -hmm. platforms like this. Mm -hmm. um, I've spoken in schools and um, different classes, just kind of about my role as a local elected official. They didn't know that somebody that could be from their neighborhood could be an elected official, somebody that looks like them. Um, just kind of getting exposure. There are lots and lots and lots of young people that are doing amazing work at the local level. Mm -hmm. nobody talks about it right i bet you if you were to talk to someone on the street what does a county council member do they probably wouldn't be able to answer that question um i would say i think it's about exposure um and so uh in high school within the state of maryland particularly in prince george's county you do take a lsn class which is a local state and national government um but that curriculum isn't um integrated in regards to explaining the county the county structure of government within Prince George's County. So to your point, like you have this class, but it's not explained that Prince George's County has, I believe, 27 municipalities, which is the highest number of municipalities in the state of Maryland, right? It's not explained the historical context of why we have municipalities and how those municipalities, which are incorporated cities, actually work within Prince George's County. And then they're not explaining how there's the county council and the county executive and how the checks and balances with that work and how they actually work together, work separate to pass um, you know, lo local legislation. You're not explaining how the state delegation works in regards to having delegates and senators in the state legislation and how that affects Prince George's County, because there are things that are on the state level that are passed specifically for Prince George's County, like HB 1107, which uh, essentially changed the whole structure of the Prince George's County uh, School Board and, um, you know, had an appointment process for several appointed members as well as making it very difficult to overrule what the county executive, the county um, 
the uh, the CEO of schools wanted within the school system. And so I do think that there isn't a clear education process in regards to our county government, the structures uh, within them and how they affect the everyday person. I, I will say that I do believe Prince George's County um, has a very highly active uh, voter population, um, but to the point that I think you're making, they're, they're older. And so our young people um, really getting them out, out of the polls, understanding the polls, understanding like how these people um, will affect you generationally is, is really of key importance. I totally agree with you, Ms. Parker, on just what you said about how like in LS in class, you don't hear about things and issues that we should be learning about for our county councils or even our county executives. A lot of the issues that has been faced, you wouldn't have heard about that unless you actually have been in this place. For example, I took Allison and I didn't even know anything about that until I was actually supporting county council members or even um, being around the CEO or even being around the county executive. I agree that literacy in high school is so important. And I remember for me in Howard County, uh, we take our government class sophomore year and the most local that we got was state level. Like we hardly discuss localities, local governments at all. And it's only until later on that I started to learn more about it and that I wanted to get more involved in it because I realized how important uh, local elections are and local government is. And a few weeks ago, I actually took my mom to a county exec debate. And I'm just now starting to realize the importance of local legislation as well. Like the uh, Liberty Act in Howard County, which is um, going to be on our ballot coming up and which will affect immigration and has uh, will have serious effects for a lot of people in the county. Everyone should have received, or most people who are registered voters should receive a sample ballot uh, for the election on November 8th. And in the back of the ballot, there are these questions. The average person, when they get to the back of the book, they're just gonna randomly pick things and check off boxes. And we don't know if these things are gonna actually impact us. So number one, why are they on there? Okay, so the, the five questions are the state questions, but I found out those 10 questions are the county council, question, county council questions. Does, has anyone ever looked at the back of the ballot to see those questions? Yes, yeah, so in relation to the ballot questions, um, I have to be quite frank. We have to ask ourselves why there are all these ballot questions and everyone is screaming that you should know who you're going to vote for in relation to the gubernatorial, but they're not explaining to you the ballot questions. That should be like the first question that you have for any elected official asking you to vote for anyone, right? Because to your point, these ballot questions are gonna have a deep impact on our community. They're, the ballot questions for Prince George's County are asking for hundreds of millions of dollars to go to different construction uh, programs and re, uh, renovations and things of that nature. Um, and, you know, somebody could, people could easily vote no just by not understanding it. Then there was another ballot question that I think talked about having the state have control of whether or not the county council could uh, decide their own salary, which has pros and cons. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily sound, you know, people who might see it might, oh, that's a great thing. 
Not necessarily, right? But um, to your point, it's it's twofold. My first question is always, why aren't these elected officials who put these ballot questions up uh, explaining these ballot questions at the back of the, the book? That's always my first question. And then my second question is, to your point, this is written in such a way that the average person may not be able to follow along, may not be able to grasp the understanding, even though it's supposed to be written in colloquial language that could be understood by every eighth grade, you know, eighth grader in Maryland. So those are always my questions, but I think on the, on the larger scale, that would have to be, you know, a question for those who are writing up the ballots and things of that nature in order for the language to change. But what we can do is, you know, we can have meetings prior to like, you know, people who understand the ballot questions to explain it, put it on Facebook and, and, and you know, like should the people know. There are a couple of different things. Um, <clears throat> I do know WTOP does a great job of breaking down the ballot questions. Um, and I just Googled just now ballot questions, Prince George's County, and I found WAMU.org where they break down the whole ballot. Uh, who's running for what position. If you vote yes for this question, uh, this is what this means. And if you vote no, so uh, the information is out of there. We just got to go, we have to go find it. Um, and we have to be diligent about sharing this information once we find it, because there are a lot of, like you, everybody knows about the false information and all of that stuff. So sharing stuff like this to the people in our community is helpful. Um, so yeah, let's try to share these type of things because these these shares don't go viral, unfortunately. <laughs> so true. First, did you have anything you like, last words of advice or things you'd like to share about voting with our listeners? Um, Just, oh, go ahead, Charles. Go vote. With the uh, general election being on November 8th, please go out and vote. Um, most polling sites are open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And um, I know if you're in Prince George's County, you can vote at any polling site that's open, but um, during early voting, but on election day, you, you know, you'd have to go to your actual polling site. So go ahead and early vote now. And just remember to vote for people that align with your vision, your goals, and your policies. And just to add on, even if you aren't registered, you can register day of on election day. So go to the polls and you can register to vote. You can still vote. Micah, did you have anything to add? Um, I think they said it all. I think that's, yeah, people should go vote. Well, I want to thank you all. Uh, thank you to our Young Future leaders and our special guests, Charles, Micah, Ms. Parker. Thank you for joining in on this important conversation. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you will use your voice to make the change you want to see in your community. Thank you so much for carving time out of your busy schedule to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Be sure to visit my website, getintogoodtrouble.com. That's G-E-T, the letter N, the number two, goodtrouble.com. Follow us on social media. Until the next time, be safe and be well.